Let's have some time in prayer together before we open the word. Lord, just thinking of that uh, verse that says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And um, today as we come to your word and we uh, recognize your presence here with us, Father, we want to um, acknowledge the freedom that comes from being in your presence. We want to recognize the freedom that comes from having relationship with you. We want to recognize the freedom that comes to our lives when, when your spirit dwells in our hearts and in our bodies and our temples become, uh, our, our bodies become a temple of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And um, today I just pray that that would be true for us. I pray that, that, we, would, that we would sense your spirit in us and um, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit would illuminate the words um, of, of the scriptures that we look at today that um, they would be, it would be like a, a filter for my own words, Lord, that, that your spirit would uh, assist me in sharing um, only what is true today and only what is part of your plan for us and only what is part of your promises, Lord, to us. And, um, and so I just thank you for all these times that we can share together, uh, opening up your word, seeking out your truth, Lord, for our lives and for our relationships, for our work, for our families, for our friends, for our community, God. I just really want to thank you for it. And, and thank you that the end goal of all of this is freedom in you, freedom in your spirit, God. And I pray that that would be true for us. I pray that anything that might be holding us back today might be able to be given to you today, that we could step into a bit more of that that, that freedom that comes from your transforming presence in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray all of this um, with, with just a sense of anticipation of what you might bring to our hearts and our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so one of the things um, about preaching through a book of the Bible and really committing yourself to that is that you can find yourself being sort of steered into different topics that you might not have otherwise chosen to preach about, okay? And um, I don't know if any of us have, have been following along. We've done Hebrews 13.1, Hebrews 13.2, Hebrews 13.3, and now today it's Hebrews 13.4, right? And so you're sort of beginning to understand if you've read that verse already that um, committing ourselves to a certain section of Scripture and moving our way through it means that we're going to have to talk about some things that, as I said, um, we might have otherwise avoided or we might have otherwise thought, eh, too hard basket or a bit too close to home or a bit too painful because of the experiences we've had. And yet, um, today, we're going to cover one of those, those topics or a couple of them. In fact, over the next couple of weeks, um, we're going we're gonna to be covering these topics. And so today, the topic that we're going to cover is sexual purity and marriage Right, that's today's today's message. So buckle yourself in, and then next week is going to be money and materialism. Right, so we've just got really both of these deserve more than one message each. But in sticking with Hebrews, because we are moving our way through the book of Hebrews today, we're just going to touch on it. And and when we look at a big topic like this, I really hope to bring just something simple out of it. Um, something that I hope all of us can relate to in this, and um, and that's my heart for today. And so, 
Um, I'm aware that this can be sensitive topic, you know, can be a sensitive topic for us. But nonetheless, it's in God's word. God's a good God. He's a God who's leading us to freedom in his spirit. And, um, and I trust that that'll be the end uh, for each of us today. And so working out of Hebrews 13 verse 4, and as we've been doing each week, um, we're going to read it in a few different versions. The first being NIV. It says, marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Sounds pretty heavy, doesn't it? <laughs> you know. And then out of the Passion Translation, honour the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another. For God will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or married. The message says, honour marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. The Amplified Bible, marriage is to be held in honour among all, that is regarded as something of great value, and the marriage bed undefiled by immorality or by any sexual sin, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So there are a few things worth taking on board here. I've got like a a list of qualifications for us as we enter into this verse and dive into it a bit more. The first thing is, just because something is difficult to talk about doesn't mean we should shy away from it, right? Which is why I'm standing here with the message prepared for you on this topic. Sexual sin and sexual purity and how that relates to marriage can be a difficult thing to talk about, even with people who we are very close with. And so I'm aware of that, but nonetheless, as I've said, it's in the Word. We should, we should look at it. We need to open up the conversation today. So everyone can just take a deep breath. The next 20 minutes are going to be okay. We'll come out the other side of this, and it's going to be okay. The second thing is that I'm not coming today with any level of expertise, right? I'm pretty sure many of us have... Um, much more experience in terms of marriage or, you know, this, this type of topic, messages you've heard before and all of that. So I'm not coming with expertise. Instead, I'm hoping to point us to some of the things that are close to God's heart with regard to these topics, right? And to just say, hey, God has, has, a, has um, desires for us in regards to these topics and, and some, he, it's, it's like he, he, has a, he has a dream for how this these things should play out in our relationships. And so I'm trying to point us to that and give us a glimpse of that so that we can, um, yeah, kind of be led to Christ in this. Not led to what I think, but led to what the Word says. The third thing to say is that while the verse is highlighting marriage today, this message is for all of us. And whether we're single or, or dating or married, whether we don't ever want to get married or whatever it is, this is, this is a message for every one of us. And, and while marriage appears to be a central topic here, I think that, that actually it's kind of come up by the by. Sexual sin and sexual purity, um, you know, that's actually the central topic of this verse, you know, as far as what the author of Hebrews is trying to bring to their attention. And so the message today is first and foremost for all of us. There's application for everyone not just those who are married. Because sexual purity, it's part of God's plan for everyone. Yeah, There's not one person on earth that he, that he thinks, 
I don't care how that person's sexuality plays out in their life. Right? That's not true. Okay? And so in a day and age where sex and purity seem like they don't belong together, um, you know, it's important for us to remember that when God created us, he created man and woman to come together in marriage, and only in the context of that marriage relationship was the gift of sexual intimacy to be enjoyed, right? And so God does not create something that is wrong or dirty. You know, sex is not a dirty thing when it's, when it's uh, carried out in the context and the place and the time that God uh, invites us to. Sex is a good and pure thing when it's enjoyed in the context that God intended for it to be enjoyed in. Okay, is that all right? Deep breath again. (laughs) The fourth thing to note is that each one of us has a story that is unique, right? Not, not, um, not, Not... any two of us have the same story with regards to our, our history, our experiences, with regards to sexuality, marriage, relationships, and all of this. And so each one of us, including myself, needs to come to the topic with a sense of humility, a sense of, I don't actually understand everything you've been through, and, and I don't understand everything that um, and anyone else has been through. You know, this is, this is a, a sense of humility that we need to come to the message today. We don't understand the depths of the difficulty um, that can come up in people's relationships, you know, and, um, and in people's journeys and the things that can happen that aren't in their control, you know. So that's an important thing to think of as well. The final thing of my list of qualifications is um, that nothing you've been through or are going through, is able to separate you from God's love. Right? That's probably the most important one. I save the best till last, I think. <laughs> Nothing you've been through with regards to um, sexuality, sexual sin, um, you know, marriage, and you know, the ins and outs of all those relationships, nothing you've been through, or are going through, or will go through, can separate you from God's love for you. Right, That's a good thing. And I want today's message to be a message of hope for us and grace rather than one that makes us feel you know, judged or condemned or <clears throat> any of those things. Because what did Jesus say to the woman caught in adultery? You know, he's like, where, where are the people who are condemning you? you know, go and ju- just go and sin no more. You know? He wasn't saying that what she was caught in was okay, but he was saying... You know, I don't stand for that, but go and sin no more, you know. And he, and he invited them. If, if, you, if, you've never, if you don't have any sin, throw the first stone, right? So this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of hope, grace, and, um, and God has love for us no matter what we've, we've gone through, right? So sexual sin, whether married or unmarried, it's too long been, and I know for me, it's, it was a bit of a taboo subject as I grew up in the church, must not be mentioned, and, and today we need to fix that little glitch in our thinking um, if it still exists. One of the problems we have is that sexual sin usually carries greater consequences, right, practically, you know, if we fall into it. But in terms of its weight against all other sins, we need to know there's no difference, right? God sees all sin the same. God is as equally ready to help us with this type of sin as he is to help us with our, um, you know, bad language or whatever, whatever other things we have going on. He's not shocked. God is not shocked by our struggle with sexual sin in all of its different types. 
his pain to see us struggling with it, and he's ready to help us with it, right? He wants nothing more than for us to be open with him about the things that we're going through in this, in this regard, in our marriage and, and, and in our sexual, sexuality and, and in the topic of being pure the way God intended us for, uh, to be. God wants us to be open with him about it, right? And we should have no shame in doing that, <laughs> okay? Right? God wants to help us live pure lives. This is part of his plan, was to, was to live transformed, pure lives for him. And so we will not shy away from it. And, and if you've ever wondered if you could ever talk to someone about it, there is a, this is a place to talk to someone about it if you need to, right? God's not scared of it. He's not shocked, and I'm not going to be shocked either, <laughs> okay? Let's put it that way. <laughs> This needs to be a safe place. The church needs to be a place where we can seek out help for our questions and our struggles and the issues we're facing. Everyone take a deep breath again. Is that okay? It's an important thing, I think. (laughs) So in the days that the author of Hebrews was writing, just to give us some context, it seemed unreasonable to many that um, someone should keep themselves only for their husband and wife. That was, that, seemed, that was an unreasonable way of thinking in that, in that day and age. Men were expected to take mistresses for themselves. This was part of the culture, right? Even among parts of Jewish culture and teachings, there was like this relaxed view of marriage. You know, it was like, yeah, we, we do that, but it's, you know, it's just, eh, it's whatever. That was, that was even part of, part of their view of marriage. Another struggle that they were facing was that much of the pagan worship you know, if you were to worship another idol, it involved, uh, um, you know, a lot of um, drunken sexual experiences with prostitutes at the temple, right? This was part of, um, you know, worshipping other pagan idols and gods. And so um, the ability people had to involve themselves in sexual sin without too much questioning or social shame was actually quite, quite significant. You know, it was an easy thing for them to do. Right? It, was not like, it was not unlike the current cultural mood that we experience today right? in regards to sexual sin, purity, and marriage. And the concern for the church then, as much as it is for us now, is that our God has drawn a very firm line in the sand, if you like, and he outlines the boundaries for what is the way he wants us to live out our sexuality, our marriage, our, our purity in this, in this topic, right? This is an important thing for us to know. Start to finish throughout the Bible. There's no question of is this okay or is that okay? No, God is very clear, right? And so that's an important thing. So when the author of Hebrews says marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure, For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. He's drawing a line in the sand. And while the church is under immense pressure to let go of their faith altogether, we remember that about their context context as well. They're facing persecution and difficulty every day. He reminds them if there's ever an area of your life that might trip you up and just undo your faith altogether, it would be for husbands and wives to start finding comfort in sexual sin. Right? It would be to involve themselves in pagan and idol worship. It would be for all in the church, whether married or unmarried, to start lowering their view and standard of marriage. 
right? And when this happens, they start lowering their view and standard of the place that God intended for the gift of sex to be enjoyed. And we can see where all of the lines start to go all blurry when that type of thing happens, right? So he's drawing a line in the sand. He's saying, this is, this is it, guys. This is, this is an important factor for us. And it's an important factor for every church. And so what has this got to do with, with you and me? What has this got to do with us? And, and I think there is application here for all of us, isn't there? The first thing we need to take from this is that sex has a home, right? And that home is within marriage, right? In the marriage relationship that God designed for us. The moment we take sex out of the context of marriage, the way God intended it, then we are not experiencing it the way God intended for us to experience it. Right? When our sex lives, uh, when our sex lives in a casual one off experience, that was not what God designed for us. Yeah? We know that. When our sex lives in something we are watching on a screen, that's not what God designed for us. Right? It's not part of His plan for our, for our purity as a whole person who lives in Him. When our sex lives in a pre marriage relationship, we've not enjoyed what God designed either. Yeah, and so there's some pretty pretty basic things that, of course, we all know this. But how often are we invited to reflect on whether we're actually living according to the way God designed? You know, setting these boundaries in place. The second thing we can take from all this is that if God is going to deal with sexual sin drastically, then so should we. Right? Our verse says that God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. And, and what it's saying is that adultery and sexual sin is something that lands you outside of God's will, right? If, you, if you're not found in, in Christ um, at the time Jesus returns, this is one of the things that's going to trip you up, yeah? And, and it's one of those things that, that lands you living outside of God's will even now in this life. And so one of the great passages that highlights the just, it's almost like the severity of it is in Matthew 5. And we're going to go to verse 27 and start there. It says, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. We know that. We've heard that verse before. It's one of the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. That sounds fairly severe, doesn't it? Fairly drastic. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. What this is saying is that, um, you know, it's one thing for us to say, oh, well, I've never committed adultery before, so I'm okay. But if your heart and your mind are turned towards lust and, and the desire for, for adultery, then has God actually changed you? Are you actually free in him? Is there actually a sense in which you're experiencing purity in the life that he, he designed for you? you know, because there's a difference there. If you're living your whole life wishing you could commit adultery, if you're living your whole life wishing that you could you know, have this and that and the other person for yourself, then um, it's not the, it's that, that doesn't seem to me a place of freedom. 
that doesn't seem to me a place where the Holy Spirit is guiding you in that. Yeah? Okay, so we can agree on that. And, and Jesus is not teaching us to actually mutilate our bodies, you know, when we're struggling in this sort of thing, literally gouge our eyes out. He's not saying that sort of thing, obviously. But what he's saying is that if this kind of sin exists in our lives, then we ought to take some serious action against it. He's like, this is not something we mess around with. Yeah? He's saying this is not something that we are just going to let go on and, and sweep under the carpet and, not, and, and, and just let it fester because all of a sudden we'll be tripping over it in no time. Yeah, It'll be a problem. We need to deal with it drastically before we have no choice but to deal with the consequences Yeah, because that's what happens. That's the end goal of what, that's, that's the end of what happens in that road. And so... This is one of those moments where I need to ask some difficult questions, <laughs> okay? Is there something in your life that you need to deal drastically with? I'm not doing my job as a pastor if I don't point us to what Christ is saying is right for us, yeah? Is there some sexual sin that you're struggling with? Are you committing, committing adultery within your heart? Are you keeping your marriage bed pure? He's not talking about washing the sheets every week, right? Are you, are you keeping your marriage bed pure? If you're married, are you honouring the vows you made to keep yourself only for your husband and your wife? If you're not married yet, are you waiting until you are married? Are you, are you waiting for sex to be enjoyed in its home in the context of marriage? If it was easy to get away with sexual sin back then, particularly as a male, given it was a fairly male-dominant culture, how much easier is it now as uh, pornography is only a click away on every screen that we have? You know, the screen's in our pockets. Are you, is there an addiction that you're struggling with? This is, this is some of the stuff that I just want to say. You don't, I'm, not, I'm not asking people to put their hands up you know what I mean? But I am saying this. If it's part of your life, there is help. There's, there's, purity is possible, right? We're going to get to that point. Purity is possible in Jesus. There is a way out. There is a way through these things. And, and there is freedom, right? We've been singing about that today. And there's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom when the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's possible to get through these things and these addictions. But if I don't ask about it, if I don't ever bring it up, you know, um, I'm not doing my job right. I'm not showing my love for you, okay? And this is, this is a very important thing for, for me, my own experience, you know? Um, I never imagined I would ever have the courage to say this, but you know what? I'm just done caring, you know? <laughs> because for most of my teenage life, I was addicted to pornography. You know, it controlled me, controlled my life, and it's no longer a part of my life. Praise God. There is freedom. Purity is possible. You know what I mean? But it, you know what it took? It took one person. I'm going <laughs> to get emotional because it's such a, it's a serious thing. This is a serious thing that I'm talking about, right? There was one person who kept me accountable. One person I felt comfortable with being able to talk to, you know, through that, through that whole journey. And I was exposed to it at such a young age that it just grabbed me and I didn't have anyone to help me, you know what I mean? And so 
it's almost like, it, you know, I was out of control of that thing. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't something that I even wanted to have happen. It happened to me. And so I'm saying I'm, I'm not um, oblivious to the fact that this can happen to any one of us and not necessarily pornography addiction, but it can happen in all different types of things. And I'm saying if there is ever going to be a place where we can find help and find restoration and find freedom and find purity and find, um, you know, the life that Jesus designs for us when it comes to marriage, when it comes to sexual purity, it's got to be in the church. The one person I was able to rely upon was someone in the church, you know, and they just treated me with grace and they treated me with mercy and they gave me hope that there's a way out and this is not the life God designed for you, you know. And so the reason I bring this up is to say, you know, um, speed of the leader, speed of the team. Let's do this together. We're in this together going off of last week's message, right? This is an important thing. The final point, I'm kind of already jumped ahead a little bit, but sexual purity is possible, right? It is possible. When we have relationship with Jesus, there's no sin that is too powerful for, for, for him to help us overcome, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't say, I'll bear every sin on my body except for sexual sin. That's not what he said. <laughs> you know, when he died on the cross, sexual sin was a sin that he died for. And if he died for it, then there's transformation to be received in that. And so um, we're getting to that point where we need to start sharing our struggle you know, (laughs) with Jesus today at the very least. For you, it it might not be even much to do with sexual sin. It might be a struggle in your marriage. You know, for for those of us who aren't married and, and, you know, God bless you, if you don't struggle with sexual sin, there might be some other relationship that's causing you some struggles or, or burdens in your life. And today you might bring that to Jesus as well. If you actually, I feel like it's a rare thing, but if you haven't struggled with sexual sin, um, you know, and, and right now you think, praise God, I haven't had to deal with that in my life, then I think you need to be praying for the church, praying for everyone else who is struggling with it, you know, intercede on our behalf, because it, it's a big issue, it's bigger than we think it is. And it's wrong to not talk about it. And it's wrong to not pray for one another in this. <clears throat> so freedom is possible, but it requires that meeting with Jesus. It requires remembering and being reminded every day that this struggle I have, this addiction that I have, Jesus bore it in his body on the cross. He bore the punishment. He bore the shame. He bore, um, he bore it all in his body and he took it to the grave. And there's transformation to be had. There's, 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 it's redeemable. You're not in, an, in a place where you're not redeemable. Yeah? And so um, I think it's time for us to have communion now. And we're going to use that as part of our response today. But I want you to reflect on the questions that I asked you as well. 
And, um, and I'll read through Ephesians 5, um, verses 25 to 33, just as a, as a bit of a, a passage to reflect on as we come to communion. It says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. That's what he's done for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you have done for us. Thank you that you drew a line in the sand, that you didn't just let us go and and, uh, and fall into all types of different things that... um, you know, without any understanding of what's right and wrong. We thank you that you drew a line in the sand. And um, Lord, today, the parts of our lives where we, we feel like, gee, we're not, we're not really living the way you want us to, God. I pray that as we come to communion, we'd be able to, we'd be able to just receive some transformation in that. We'd be able to, we'd be able to see that that, uh, that sin even that sin, even that addiction, even that struggle, uh, you died for it, God. And um, your resurrection tells us that there's power to be received in that, God. There's power to change. There's power to be transformed. And I want to praise you for that, God. I pray that you would, uh, yeah, just consecrate the elements that we share in today, that we'd be able, be able to be reminded of your, your death on the cross for us, the sacrifice that you made to make us holy. I pray that there'd be a transfer of your holiness onto us today, God, that we'd be able to walk out different to the way we came in. Lord, I pray that you'd be able to break down any of these communication barriers that we might have with one another or with you in regards to the sin we face. We thank you that nothing shocks you, God. We thank you that there's only grace and mercy to be received today. Pray this in your precious name. Amen. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat this, remembering that Jesus' body was broken for us.
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take and drink this, remembering that Jesus' blood was shed for you. One Corinthians six, starting at verse eighteen, it says, "Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, <clears throat> but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God?" You are not your own; you are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I want to invite you to take the time as we sing this last song to to respond, to have prayer if you need it. I'll be here to pray with you. You don't have to do that during the last song. You can wait till after. You can even, like others did last week, send me a message during the week. If you don't want to talk about it now, send me a text or an email or something. A Facebook message. We, I want to be able to pray with you. I want to be able to do this journey with you. I want to be able to walk the journey that someone else walked with me towards sexual purity, towards healthy relationships. And, and I want to invite you to do that today. That's part of your response. Amen. Amen.